What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Dose of Mind. Today, I have the honor and privilege to talk with Mr. Hybrid Calisthenics himself, Hampton. He is a huge influence for me in fitness, in social media as a whole. Um, one of the absolute most genuine human beings on planet Earth, such a lovable uh, and compassionate guy. Uh, just the way his, his content's amazing. It's super, super like friendly for anybody, whether you're a beginner, advanced, intermediate, etc. We dive into fitness. We dive into the struggles of social media, uh, some of the challenges that come with it. We talk about Hampton, his journey. So uh, you've come to the right place for literally everything, uh, mindset and fitness and, and all the nine yards. So uh, it was a great talk. I'm super excited for you to listen to it. Uh, if you're new here, make sure that you hit the follow button so you never miss another episode. And without further ado, let's get right into it. Hampton, oh. sir, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So you have been one of my influences as far as content creation since day one. Um, I got introduced to you I, I, definitely 2020, 2021. Um, your video about how to do more pull-ups was the one that got me. It was a YouTube short. And you were saying, if you can't do a pull-up yet, here are all the ways to regress it. And gotcha. I was like, this: the way you come about on your content, the way you come about uh, how you speak, how you deliver information is educational, but it's also there's a little bit of humor in there and it's also just genuine. Um, so the fact that you've been on here with me is super cool. And I really appreciate the fact that you took in the time out of your day to, to do this with me. Well, I, th I appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this with me. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate all the kind words. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. So when did you start calisthenics? Was that something that you kind of like, did you grow up as a gymnast? Did you just kind of start? in your finished journey and ask what happened like how did that come about if i grew up as a gymnast i'd probably be more fit and i could probably do more i could probably do more impressive <laughs> things uh, now some gymnasts do have some injuries so perhaps you know it's a blessing and a curse in the sense that you know I, maybe i'm maybe in an alternate universe where i was a gymnast from age five or something you know i'm much more impressive and i have a couple more million followers on yeah. you know, on youtube but <laughs> it's also i i might also have like a shoulder injury or like a, like a broken heel or so, who knows something like that who knows who knows um i have always been into fitness even when i was a kid however the calisthenics stuff the structured stuff and, and learning about it i didn't really start until my early 20s um about age 22 2016 or so uh i read a few books about calisthenics i was like oh th this is pretty interesting and it really it resonated with me a lot more than the idea of going to the gym because i was always fairly physically fit so in, in um some of it very much was just like a genetic advantage i guess <laughs> which which some um and some would call that i i would agree because you know when i was in pe when i was when i was in school anything we would do i would always enjoy the physical things i would enjoy running everything it's notable that i was much more better at like things that we would associate with type 2 muscle fibers right so i was good at like sprints but not good at long jogs things like that um and but as we age you know th these are just things that you know kids are exposed to but around like early teens you're like oh well now 
you know, I want to be a weightlifter. So then kids start hitting the gym. It is not just about your know, genetics and what you're eating and, and, and things like that. It goes beyond. And there's like a hefty training portion too. You can start before that, but most kids start showing more interest in that in their teens, at least in my area and generation. And so that like there was this like growing idea, like, oh, well, you, you really should have a fitness plan and go to the gym. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, and, I, you know, for, you know, teens and students, a lot of the, some of the pressure is like, well, you, you got to look good so you can get girls, you know, or you got to just like, well, you know, some of it, you know, that's why your friends will tell you, right. It's like, that's why they're working out, you know, and some of them is like, well, you know, it's like unrealistic expectations. Like right? they see like Spider-Man It's like, well, I want to be able to lift 40 tons. Right. I was like, well, you know, you know, you, you can start with what you can do and then keep working. Maybe you'll get to 40 tons. But, um, it was always lingering in my mind, but I was like, I don't really want to go to the gym, right? It's like, I, I don't mind physical things. I, 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 I'm not antisocial or socially anxious in this way that I'd be nervous going to the gym. It just didn't really fit into the structure of my life. So when I started researching calisthenics, I was like, okay, you know, I kind of like the convenience and the availability and just the ethos of calisthenics and bodyweight exercise. Um, I think sometimes it is falsely presented as an alternative or even a superior alternative from some people to weightlifting or other things when we really don't have to choose one or the other it's just like different things you can master it's like different genres of music i would say right because everyone in my opinion does calisthenics if you walk right if you get Very out of bed in the morning right so that's <laughs> it's this body weight exercise so it's, it's funny you, you say that because you kind of see it from both angles you see the people who are like calisthenics at the beginning you know, like push-ups or your beginner exercises before, you know, anything else. And I think there's, there's something to be said about, you know, you, if you can't necessarily do a push-up, let's regress it. Let's do, you know, let's build up to the strength to do it. Um, but I wouldn't be starting to bench press, you know, twice your body weight if we haven't developed the basics yet. But then you also have the other side of it, like you said, where everyone's like calisthenic or I guess more of so the calisthenic athletes, like the the hardcore street workout competing, which right. don't get me wrong, that stuff's insane. Um, right. But they look at it with calisthenics being the superior god of gods kind of way of looking at it but i like your your outlook on how it's it's not one or the other why don't we just do both why can't we just get a balance of everything get the benefits of everything yeah that's a really good point it's something that not a lot of people will point out but if you spend enough time in the industry so to speak you will notice by the way my voice is on this podcast sounding much lower than it is i think it's a little bit lower earlier in the day because if you hear me speak during videos it's a lot more high-pitched i'm more excited <laughs> but you sound great I <laughs> Oh, no, it's fine. I, I just, uh, it's not so much being self-conscious, but I'm like, huh, my voice is lower than how I usually is. So I'm not trying <laughs> to sound, uh, I'm not on purpose trying to sound deep. But I, <laughs> what I've noticed is how people phrase it, um, even though like body weight fitness, like body weight workouts, body weight fitness, calisthenics, progressive calisthenics, the street workout, these things all refer to the same thing, theoretically. However, people tend to think of them in different ways and use them in different ways. What we do really much more is like home workout, body weight fitness, right? So how to regress push-up, how to make it difficult. And like, by the way, there are very difficult things to do. They're just less obvious that they're difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like there are some push-up variations and not like an insane one. Not like we're not even getting into planches. We're just talking a regular feet on the ground push-up that nobody has ever done, right? And it's, like, it's just like in um nobody's ever done on video with good form i i should say and and even beyond that there's things that i probably haven't thought of so like there are it's not so much running out of difficulty so much as 
it doesn't look as cool as some of the stuff I'll bring up. So that's kind of like the body weight fitness approach to where you are just using your body to basically replicate similar to like a barbell, right? You start with something you can do. As you mentioned, it <laughs> it really wouldn't make any sense if we started someone bench pressing. It's like we're going to start you off. Like the weights are welded on, right? Which yeah. I think they are in prison some, in some <laughs> places. I, they're, they're, well, they, they are because like you don't, you don't want the prisoners to take the weights and, and you know, hit each other with them, I'm, I'm guessing. To be honest, I never so, even like, thought of that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I read a book and it, it it mentioned that. So it was like there was one thirty five and there was two twenty five and nothing in between because like you, you don't have the weights you can add on. So you can either bench press one thirty five or you can bench press two twenty five. That's right? crazy, <laughs> right? And well, it was used in the book as an example of the author claimed that it doesn't matter how many times you bench press one thirty five, you're not going to get a two twenty five. I don't know if that's strictly. It, it depends on that person, probably. Of course. Um. I'm not sorry, but there are definitely easier ways to get to, than jumping from 135 to 225. So you start with something you can do. So instead of saying you wouldn't tell someone, just try to bench press 225, and then eventually you'll get it. So why would you tell someone to try to do a full push up if they can't do it yet? Right? Is it, it just it, you know it's things people don't really think about. They intuitively know that's body weight fitness. And then there's another side. I'm bringing up multiple points here. We're going through relatively quickly. Yeah, please. but there's another side. There's another side where it is not so much about that, but using your body similar to how skateboarders think of their skateboard, right? So it's, it's not so much just about training push-pull legs or like uh, like functional, like I know this is like a buzz phrase, but functional fitness in the sense that it's based off human movement of pushing, pulling, rotating, et cetera, but like a planche or front lever or one arm planche, you know, these, these things are really cool. It's much more so about the trick itself like like people like the back lever the planche they are core exercises they are shoulder exercises right and they are skills but people don't usually do them only to train their core it's like okay now you know now i've got it i can do a, a one-arm planche finally i can train my core properly no you're doing it for the purpose of a one-arm planche it's kind of like saying like doing a hard flip in and skateboarding, it's good for ankle strength. It might be, right? Uh, presumably, you, you, if you don't break your ankles. But I, I mean, it, it looks like it requires a lot of strength and coordination and skill, but no one's doing it. It's like, ah, you know, I'm going to get some small ankles from doing these flips. No, you're doing it for the sake of the flip. So that's like the divergence, so to speak, between how people think of it. I don't think one way is that better. I think one is much more like gymnastics, right? That, that That's really a good way to complain. It's like street gymnastics would really be a better way of putting it because they get a lot of things from gymnastics because eventually if you do the regular push-up pull-up stuff you're gonna run out of stuff um that looks exciting um and also in some ways difficulty right like one-arm pull-ups which are you know is interesting right that that shows instead of getting into like some weird push-up variations like the one-arm pull-up is something that i've noticed a lot of people who do street workout can usually do but not as many as you would think. It's not like they they peaked all pull up variations and now they're into Maltesers and stuff. Um, although I, if, if you can do a Maltese, I would say you can do um, a one arm pull up pretty yeah. easily. But but it's just like you run out of um, it's something that if you watch them do these calisthenics athletes, they can usually do a couple, which is very very impressive in my opinion. But it's not like they completely ran out. They just really it really is going a different direction. Often developing like straight arm strength you know, for pulling and pushing, et cetera. It's getting into the details a little bit. But yeah, you see what I mean? Two different ways to think about it. One way is for tricks, one's for the aesthetics, one really the art form, because I don't want to call it tricks to like 
degraded. It's really the art form of it. And one is just finding different variations to train your pushing and pulling strength, et cetera. And I totally agree with that. I kind of think that, I mean, that's why there's competitions for, for that other side right. of it, right? Where it's like, right. and I don't want to say this in any bad way, but a lot of it is for show. Like a lot of it is right. like, it's yeah. a competition. It's like a, right. a, a street workout gymnastic kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you're doing a planche, no, like it's not, you're not doing a planche for reps and sets to train your core. A lot of times you're doing a planche because you're practicing a skill that you will either use in a competition or, I mean, like they look really cool post on social media. It's, it's going to look really right. nice. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I do, I do agree with that. And I think for, for the other side of it, where calisthenics is more of like an actual resistance training, like this is actually right. a way to train, push, pull legs and, and different muscle groups and whatnot. Um, I, I, I almost feel like that's not, where a lot of people first think of it. A lot of people, when mm -hmm. you get introduced to calisthenics, it's some guy doing a backflip and, and, you know, right. some girl doing a muscle up and like, then like triple yeah. flips, whatever. So it, it kind of maybe deters people away from even thinking it as a workout. Um, but just going back to your saying about skateboarding, are you a skateboarder? No, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, and, I thought and, you were. Like, like, like many kids, because are, are you? No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> I'm a guitarist. Right. That's about it. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'll have to show you a photo of my friend Luke because you look similar to him, and he's also a guitarist. Don't right? even. That's hey, right. That's awesome. Uh, he, he is Australian. Um, I'm I'm not a not a skateboarder, but like many kids, when Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out, I wanted. Oh, of to course. Be. Right, of course. <laughs> That, well, that, that's with everything, right? Like that. I mean, that's how I got. Again, that's how I got introduced to calisthenics. Where it's like, you know, when you're a kid playing Tony Hawk skateboarder, you, you think that it's it looks easy, right? So you want to kind of do it and want to try it out. Um, my introduction to calisthenics was Frank Madrano, Adam Raw, um, all these yeah. very popular social media guys, and I'm like, I got, I want to try this out. It looks really cool, and you see, they're shredded, they're ripped, they're strong, right. and you're like, well, I want to look like that too, right? I want to be right, able to right. do all those things. Uh, and then you realize it's, it's not as easy as they make it look, and there's actually a lot of <laughs> skill and talent involved in it. Um, sure. Have you always been more of a calisthenic guy, or have you also um, dabbled in strength training? Do you do both? Do you kind of have your own routine where it incorporates everything? Uh, it is much more about body weight stuff, mm -hmm. right? It, it really, it, it's not so much the the purity of calisthenics or body weight fitness so much as just like it's just how i've structured my life which is relatively minimalist right i like minimalist things usually uh, or in some cases right so right now it's calisthenics I'd, I'd use calisthenics for mobility really to strengthen joints and it's like because people in my opinion are built to move right. built to move my, my when people people have asked me for a source on that. I said, well, the, the motor cortex is my source on that, right? It's like we're, we like we literally start to fall apart if we don't move at all, right? So it, it's not good. Um, that and isometrics, which it is funny because I just mentioned about moving. Isometrics is not moving, so I, I really use um, some high exertion isometrics to get the force in the in positions that I otherwise wouldn't be able to in calisthenics. So you think. A bodyweight squat, right? So after you master bodyweight squat, usually relatively early on, if you're very, very serious about calisthenics, um, then you move on to things like one leg squat, and then there's like dragon squats, and there's like a, there's one called like a matrix squat, which I mean, I don't know. Um, you can do that, but it involves bending your body into different angles that's outside of the basic back squat or front squat or even searcher squat position. Um, 
which is okay, especially, you know, I mean, <laughs> this, these are just different ways to meet the basic baseline of fitness to where um, the benefit is asymptotic, right? So it's like a very, like the difference, like if you're not able to do a wall push up, being able to do a wall push up will vastly improve your life, right? Now, now you can open doors. Right. That's, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, you know, they, they, these are important things. Then like going from that to a full push up or like the ability to a full push up, you know, you can get out, you know, that could potentially save your life. You can fall over you can get up a little bit faster. People are running out of a burning movie theater. Right. These are like obviously like, extreme examples, but possibilities. Nevertheless, we'd ensure against these possibilities, you know, and then being able to stand up, like being able to do a squat. These vastly improve your life. The difference between being able to squat like 250 pounds and. 350 pounds and then 500 pounds in my opinion the the benefit is asymptotic it's still worth pursuing <laughs> but it's just kind of like the th difference between being able to do one-arm push-ups and then or like one-arm push-ups and then maybe like a, a planche hold or something right it's a, a very cool but I, I, you really have to think about situations to where it's like that difference will vastly improve your life right just like the, that, that difference in strength and skill being able to and my but it's still worth still worth learning, right? Still worth learning, I think, just if you're into physical culture and movement and just learning about your body. So using isometrics is one way if someone's very into calisthenics to where you can also reach um, very high levels of force. So like in my case, it's just like imagine a barbell loaded with weight that you can't move, right? Yeah. So you're pushing or pulling against something you can't move as hard as you can. And that um, should be um, pretty close to your maximum voluntary muscle contraction, right? Because you can always hold more than you can lift. You know, if you can lift 300 pounds, you can you might be able to hold 320 pounds. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, and and one thing that you mentioned too that I really like that a lot of people forget is your joints need to be trained in a way too. Like, I am a big one thing calisthenics has taught me is I'm a big advocate of full range of motion movements. Now yeah. there's a time and a place, you know, obviously a lot of bodybuilders do their partial reps and they, and, and there's a time and a place for that. But 99.9% .9 of the time, I think people need to be training their joints through the full range of motion. And one thing I tell people first bicep curls, just like the most basic exercise, you know, a lot of people are doing, let's say, 25 pound curls, but they're only going three quarters of the way through the range of motion. Well, that extra little bit at the bottom that a lot of people skip, which is usually the hardest part of the movement. Right. You know, one day you're going to try a heavier weight and you're going to go full range of motion. And you're probably going to hurt your joint because it's not exactly. strong enough to be able to handle that. And when you put that into a sport performance you know, mindset, you put that into just a daily physical life aspect and perspective. You, we have to train our bodies for what you just said, movement and function. And there's different people with different sports and, you know, physique competitors do their thing. Body, right, right. But, but at the end of the day, we're all humans and humans are built to move. And it's true. You, you, you use it or you lose it. Right. So I, I really love that mindset of it and the aspect of it. And again, that for me came out of calisthenics because I remember, I think it was Hannibal, for the king. I remember watching one of his videos. He was doing pull-ups in a park. And he's like, if you don't go full range of motion, does it count as a pull-up? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that, I guess that's true. I just always kind of have that mindset. Well, that, right, that's, right. that's not wrong. Right. No, I, I agree with that. And, and I think it's it really a, it's part of the foundation of something we all, a lot of us intuitively know, which is we get better at what we train, right? We get better at what we practice, right? Including all these angles. So, strength is at least somewhat skill 
and joint angle specific, right? If you only train, you know, like if you have like 10 degrees of motion, right? And then you're, you're like, that might transfer a little bit to the other degrees of motion, but it's, it's going to be somewhat specific. So if you want to do something, if you want, if you ever plan to be in that position doing anything ever, uh, it's usually helpful to have some training or to get so somewhat accustomed to that. So yes, 100% a big proponent of full range of motion, which not only full range of motion, but getting into a little bit of controversial stuff, I would say also um, unusual movement. So nowadays, the Jefferson curl is popularized a little bit more. Now, there are some, you know, there are some, in my opinion, pretty good arguments against not overloading the Jefferson curl. You know, they say it's like um, they present something like, is it called the Atlas Stone Lift in strongman competitions where they pick up the big rock on top? Uh, that's presented as a better alternative. So, but both of those I would consider unusual um, movements, especially compared to something like a deadlift. So, like that training the rounded back position within reason, within a, within um, a force and a load that you can handle. The reasoning behind that seems valid to me, right? Because we don't walk around with a neutral spine all the time right. it might you know they, we might try to but leaning over right, reaching over which is why some people can deadlift an enormous amount of, of weight and then they reach over and like oh man it's like it's like that you know that bar of soap it was just heavier than it looked right <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't say bar of soap my gosh it's different connotation you never no, know pen. <laughs> well it was yeah it was heavier than it looked um so yeah different things like maybe some crossover kettlebell training some you know once you get the jefferson curls and just trying different things. That that's something really that I've been exploring in this season of my life, which is it's something I had to learn because I, I like a lot of people were taught that there's good technique and there's bad technique. Um, but then you spend a lot of time in fitness and you're like, wait, why? Right? It's like it's like um, you know, really like when you do a push up, what is perfect technique? Like should should your forearms be perpendicular to the ground? Should they bend slightly? Is is it less perfect if they bend slightly? And, and it's like, well, why? Why? And it's, it's really more, it's like, oh, so there's like perfect, there's really not so much perfect technique as an intentional technique. Like, Ooh, are I you like trying that. to, right. Are you trying to strengthen your chest? Are you trying to strengthen your elbows? Trying to strengthen your triceps a little bit more. These are like, and being aware, and it's okay to have a standardized form. It's like, this is the thing that most people will need to start with that. And then after you get more and more advanced, it's like, okay, so if I bend my elbows a little bit more, you know, it, you, you can literally feel it. It's like, it's not so much in my chest, but I can feel it in my arms. So we're training our arms a little bit more, right? And it's, it's, so it's being intentional about it. Now, there are a few things, you know, like uh, you can argue that you can scale almost any human movement, even like take a movement in your mind, the listener's mind right now that you think would hurt you. It's like, ah, that, that would really hurt. Is it possible to scale that or assist that uh, in a way that it wouldn't? So if you, if you did that even with like 25 pounds, oh man, that would hurt. Can you do it with two pounds, right? And, and it's like, and if so, can you scale that movement to the point to where if you're ever subject to the equivalent of 25 pounds, say, oh, someone pushes you over, right? You're not badly injured because of that because you've um, trained yourself. You've bolstered yourself against that. So, and but there's a couple examples. Like for example, anyone who's tried to train a middle split will say like you have to externally rotate your <laughs> your legs right or well there was another thing or i i'm not an expert in the middle splits but mm -hmm. externally rotate or do something else I, I forget i forget what it was but you you can look up the um the biomechanics of it of like why the bone gets stuck there so it's like, that's one thing to where 
yes, you have, you have, we do have a structure we have to work around. That's part of the fun, part of the fun. If you want to go deep into it to truly have freedom, um, we also have limits, right? And so if you, if, if you want to get into that, because like the game with no rules and no limitations isn't a very fun game. Right. So, so what is your opinion on, uh, I, you know what, I can't remember the channel, but there's like this movement that's going on now. And I have mixed opinions about it, but I'd like to know yours. Uh, sure. It's this individual who they'll be doing deadlifts, but they're on an elevated platform. So they're actually bringing the bar way below what their feet would be. So way below ground level. And they're training, at least is what they're saying. They're training their back through as much full range of motion as they can and you know of course you go through the comments and it's there's people who are full like this is the dumbest thing i've ever seen and then there's people who are like no let's be open to this because if your body's able to move in that way maybe we should train it uh to be strong throughout every position so i would be interested to know your your position on that yeah so are these the atg people is this the knees over toes guy no it's not knees over toes though i do love him Okay, yeah, I would consider him a friend of mine. I've done a podcast with him. Oh, he's he's amazing. Yeah, right. So interesting. So is he doing a deadlift way below, or is he doing a, like, is he rounding his back? Uh, it's you know what? It's usually a straight or well, it's as straight as you can. But eventually, once you go past yeah, a certain yeah. point, it's going to round a little bit. Um, but like picture him on a bench, and he has a bar, and he's holding the bar, and he's deadlifting, but he's bringing the bar past the bench, so past the platform he's standing on. So he's going further than he would if he was on the ground okay so my thoughts on that and are i think the theory behind that is good like the idea of everything we just talked about in like the past 10 15 minutes where we get better at what we train and there are some things that it's totally possible that the mainstream as in what's popular right now isn't teaching us to train right right However, there are some examples of uh, whether, like, like you mentioned, there, there's certain, there's a certain point where you, you might not be able to have a neutral back. Um, well, at least like as so far as I can picture, I haven't spent a lot of time doing these deadlifts like this individual. I'll, I'll send it to you but, if I find it. I'll send it to you. Sure, sure, sure. Go, go ahead and send it. Um, and there is an argument that that will cause a force on some of your vertebrae that your body does not adapt to. They don't adapt to force like the rest of our body, supposedly, uh, or, or, or like um, our muscles do, certainly. So I heard that argument. I haven't heard a good counter argument to that. Uh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Like we're, we're talking about, you know, someone posting a video, then like the YouTube commenters didn't have like a great counter argument. It doesn't mean that one doesn't exist, right? That's so social media like, huh. 101. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> right. So, you know, it's interesting because, like, th there are certain things to where, you know, it, the social proof seems very much so the case. Like, when I see an ad on Facebook or whatever, I'm like, huh, that looks pretty interesting. And I, I look through the comments and I'm like, oh, this is stupid. This is I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's stupid then. <laughs> but then when it's something that I know about, like, if it's like a fitness thing, and then some of the comments are, this is stupid. I'm like, it's actually not. But I, under but I understand how, like, the, the advertiser didn't explain themselves as well as they could have. Right. So it's just something that you can see past the veil. You're like, interesting. So I wonder if that other thing that I thought was stupid because everyone else thought was stupid was actually not. So I was like, hmm, you know, there's that moment where you're like, whoa. But anyway, um, 
So my thoughts on that, I haven't seen the individual. And if you do happen to pull it up while I'm talking, I, I know I give very long answers no, sometimes. Here, I, 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 I get into like podcast mode and I'm like, like, like my answers are no longer like one or two sentences. They are a whole paragraph. No, no, I, it's like, um, I, I don't necessarily feel bad about it, but I, I do talk about like something I've noticed, especially during meetings and stuff where the point is in the interview, but the point is to discuss, but yeah, very much so not i guess i would have to look at the purpose of that that doesn't strike me as that unusual right now i don't know if there's a movement going around i probably should be aware of this person if i am not but yeah just to ruminate a little bit as you're looking it up i think there definitely is a purpose to exploring an orthodox movement but i think at first i think we should popularize within physical culture the movements that humans don't scale or a good reason not to scale certain movements. Like, for example, if you were to think of a push-up with your arms in like the T position, basically, to where your upper arms are just like perpendicular um, to your torso, we could scale that, right? Like, once again, that's an example of something that we would consider improper form. A lot of people would, um, but is it improper form? Or are we just targeting different muscles than a regular a regular push-up? Right, we can start that against a wall, and we can build up a tolerance to that. We can build up our ability to handle that. But I think with as a whole, if we start exploring the idea of like, hmm, this might not be worth it, or this really, the the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Um, I, I would like that to be popularized more, because similar to how we popularize like now knees can go over toes, or hmm, um, spot reduction with exercises not known to be possible things like that yeah so i, I couldn't find it but i know it's going to pop up on my for you page again in which case no the first thing i'll do is i'll send it to you uh, cool now what you're talking is it's funny about the social proof thing because i find that to be very true especially when something works for someone because like i've, I've always said this like um I'm not a huge advocate for something like the ketogenic diet, especially people who are very hardcore about like, no, no grains, no fruits, nothing. But that being said, for maybe a minority amount of people, it actually works for them in the sense of like, it's something they can sustain, they feel good on it just for their body, their body type, how their body is physiologically, et cetera. So when they're the ones that come out and and because it worked for them, they're the ones who are like, it's going to work for everybody. And then this is where social media obviously makes these debates such a big thing because we take something that, well, maybe for the majority of people doesn't work. And then that one person goes in the comments like, well, it worked for me, so it's going to work for everybody. And this is, you know, the, the, the issue with social media as a whole. So like a lot of things, and I think you're you're like this too, but a lot of things when I talk about it, I'm like, at the end of the day, everyone's body is different in the sense of what's going to work for person A might not work for person B. So long the fundamentals are there, because I, I do truly believe we all have the same fundamentals, like movements, healthy, you know, nutrient dense foods, et cetera. But maybe something right. that's a nutrient dense food category for person A, nutrient dense food category for person B might be a little bit different. Like I know for me personally, as far as carbohydrates go, um, I do like to carb cycle throughout the week because- carbs tend to bloat me quite a bit. Maybe for someone else, that's not the case, but that doesn't make carbs good or bad. It just means that we have different bodies and we just got to kind of adapt to, you know, whatever sustainable diet for both of us. Um, when you started your social media and I actually, correct me if I'm wrong, I remember the posts that made you kind of blow up 
and for lack of a better word, I'm pretty sure it was a TikTok video where uh, you were, you made this joke where you're pretending to do like a thousand pushups or whatever it was. And wow. is, is, is that the one that got you big? Well, that was my first video to go over a million views. Right. On the internet, period. It um it gets a lot of views, but the the amount of people that liked me and were dedicated to me and wanted to see more were much less than even like a regular video that's non-viral in quotes nowadays would get just because it, it was funny, but it didn't necessarily bring immense value to people. Right. When you did that video and that kind of, you know, let's say that was a catalyst or whatever you want to call it, but it was yeah, your yeah. first video to get over a million views, uh, which mm-hmm. is huge. Like that's, that's not something to just be like, Oh yeah, it was a million views. Like that's a massive amount of views. And uh, unfortunately that's a huge metric of social media, even though whether something brings value or yeah. not. Um, <laughs> but that kind of started this, this catalyst of everything. Did you, how do you, how did you kind of go about that trans? into that life where it's like oh okay now i'm starting to become an actual legitimate like this is going to be my thing i'm going to be a content creator um people are slowly now i'm starting to bring value to people now i'm starting to build a community uh how did you get into i guess that like pivot into that but also started to deal with you know the comment sections and some of the challenges that come with content creation some of the challenges that come with social media i think one of the things that might bring value to a listener um, that isn't immediately obvious when watching a content creator or really any kind of very much in quotes celebrity as in pe- things people someone that other people might watch um very much in quotes and tongue in cheek i th- um like but but i want to encompass like actors and things is in order to really thrive in my opinion you need a deep mental, emotional, and some would say a spiritual foundation to do that. Because thankfully, I was in a place where I was able to do that, which is unusual because at the time I was taking care of my mother. There's a lot of like um, a rather tumultuous time um, in my life. But I, I had a decent amount of mental peace and I went through it and into it with a good attitude and a lot healthier than uh, I think it could have been. Uh, relative to myself, not comparing myself to other people. I think my attitude of just wanting to help, my attitude of not doing it for me, I think there is a glorification nowadays of what about me? What about what I want? Which is very important. That these are like, I'm, I don't want to remove that dimension from the human identity because, like, we, like, if we didn't have that part, we, we wouldn't know to eat or sleep and then we'd be dead in like a couple of days. So, or it was a way to have water. So, <laughs> so, so that, that I don't want to remove that. But I think that just like, like almost anything else, like having too much of that um, is where some content creators run into a pitfall where they otherwise might not. Because if you go into it with the idea of like, I want people to tell me that I'm beautiful because like it is my, I, I see everyone else getting theirs. I want to get mine. Right. Uh, which, you know, what, you know, like, I say that with a little bit of aggression because I often hear it with a little bit of aggression um, and not like because I have aggression towards them, but I hear it with that aggression. I'm like, hmm. And I understand where they're coming from. But if you come in with a mindset of a servant, so to speak, where you are there to serve your audience, uh, a lot of things tend to line up where you bring up. Now, it doesn't mean you're a doormat. Like I, I, I want to serve people that I want to serve. And there's um, I probably will not be able to serve everyone I want to serve before I die. Okay, so I, like it's I don't even need to get into the people who don't really want me there. So that's like, I mean, full respect to you, find someone else to serve you. Totally fine. You know, especially if you're being, you know, extremely unreasonable. Um, so that's kind of how I navigated it. Now, I kind of went into the mindset 
with a business mindset, which not everyone needs, but also helped me align it a little bit to where you a business might view their comment section a little bit differently than someone who went into content creation purely for entertainment, purely for you know just the sake of being being on social media. I, I really wasn't uh, that much of a social media person before I did hybrid calisthenics. In fact, I had like an embarrassingly low number of Facebook friends, as I like to say. You know, I had like. Because I didn't start until 2012, which sounds like a long time ago, but it, it, at the time, I had it's been like five years since like Facebook has been around or or something like that, you know. And all my friends were on it; they already joined it, and I was like, "I'm not gonna join it." And then college, I was like, "Fine, I'll join it." Because someone told me that some co- some employers might not trust you if you don't have social media. I'm like, <sighs> so I joined it. But at, at the time, like it, like the the, um, the fervor had kind of died down, so I was like, "Not." I didn't have that many people to add me. I had like 50 friends. I'm like. <sighs> There's the option to hide your friend number. This is like me in like in like late teens. So that, that, nowadays I don't care. Um, but I, just, I, I had I had like a hundred or so. I mean, all, all my other friends had had more. I was like, man, you know, those lives like that seems weird, right? <laughs> and if, if anyone's listening to this and relates to that, it does not matter. It does not matter. Most people do not care about that. It is very much in your own head. <laughs> so so this, this is like once again me learning from my mistakes. So. Uh, but I, the point of that story, a little tangent, was that I wasn't very big on social media before. And I went into the mindset of like, well, I have a story and a, and a message I want to tell. Um, and I can tell that through social media. That was like one of the unlocks, right? So you, you, you talk to some people. I talked to someone last night and they were like, well, I don't want to be the average person. I said, that's okay. He said, I don't want to work a nine to five job. I said, all right, all right. He said, where do I start? All right. Uh, I was like, well. You can start by trying new things, etc. But a, a lot of things, like one of the unlocks, after a series of unlocks, is you have free media reach through social media. That I don't think people realize how unusual that is in the, like in the perspective of human history. If someone with five thousand Instagram followers might have more faster reach to their audience than some kings of the past. Right. That, that's just, that, to me that that's I think we should recognize that. And like even getting a thousand views, if I don't try to pay for a thousand views on Facebook or any kind of it's like it's significantly expensive. Ten thousand. It's like it's millions. Yeah. So the fact that we can reach that's where you start and how you do that is you provide value by with, with content that people want to see. And it's in the interest of these platforms to promote that content because it keeps people on their platform. It's also in, the, in your, your interest. It's also in their interest. So in an ideal world, you know, without getting too much into the negative aspects of that, that is the win-win-win. That is why social media is so vastly popular um, in on planet Earth right now. Maybe other planets. I'm not sure. Yeah, we, but, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> right. So it's um, that is kind of how I got started into it. And I went into the business mindset at first because I, I thought that I was going to uh, build an audience and then sell a product. I, I think that's kind of why I chose like gym rings as my first product, which in hindsight was very random. But at the time, I was like, I, I, I want to do an online business. Um, and how do I do that? So, well, you build an audience and then you sell a product. I'm like, huh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But I did not expect the content creation side um, to be what it is. And what really a big part of it, you know, which sounds a little, I don't know if it sounds cheesy, but maybe some people won't, won't believe it, but it very much was was that. I was like, I started making videos very similar to one, like my Coffee with Hampton videos now. I, I didn't realize like, oh, you need movement to keep people interested, you know, short form content. I, I didn't really know that. I just like, I, I just wanted to make uh, videos where I talked and I thought that's what he did. So very similar to the Coffee with Hampton videos. And I talked and I got like, I, I had to promote it on Facebook to get anyone to see it. It was like five bucks. Um, and I got one comment 
And then was like, Hamden, thank you so much. He's like, I'm going through a similar thing right now. This can really help. I'm looking forward to what you're doing. I still know that person. His name was Kenneth, right? And that was like, you know, like a shift, like a paradigm shift for me where I'm like, interesting. So not only um, can I sell products, which is cool. I never was there to scam anyone. I, I wanted to make good products for people. But like the idea of the content itself helping people was one of those things, once again, that you probably already knew if someone pointed out to you, but you don't really think about until it's point until you feel it. I'm like, interesting. So and then I feel like this tremendous responsibility to take care of someone, right? Like I think healthy humans, when someone puts their trust in you, you want to continue to earn that trust, you know, um, within reason, you know, it's not a complete stranger, you know, trusting you with their lives. You know, when someone puts their trust in you, uh, and especially in this context, you you want to earn it. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I have to earn it, right? And that's really when I started making videos. For context, this was before the uh, the thousand pushups video. Even the thousand pushups video, that, that was just me exploring like goofy joke videos. And I think that was very important. And th this is delving into social media because I, I, I want to delve into different things. You asked a multifaceted question. So I'm trying to give a multifaceted yeah, answer. Um, that really, that wasn't necessarily the beginning. That, that might have played an important role in the sense that it showed me the power of how fast social media could blow up. I've often thought about this, right? So I have I have different video. I have like hundreds of videos, possibly thousands at this point, and some did better, right? That doesn't mean they didn't help as many people, but some got more reach than other people than other videos. And I'm like, hmm, what if I started off with like a string of in quotes failures? Right. What if I had done this? These videos that now, because they reach in an, uh, a base group of people, I know, you know, have brought some value. And I'm like, that's something I consider myself completely very blessed and privileged for. I'm really glad that I have this opportunity. But what if I had done that first and there was a string of like what people would consider failures for a couple of months? Would I have continued to want to do everything? And I'm not sure. Right. I think fitness, part of fitness is like you have that dedication to want to do it, even if it doesn't necessarily feel uh, the best of the time. So I would like to think so. But I think as teachers, as trainers, as social media people, or as, as humans, when we're guiding someone through something, I think that's important to realize that that was an important lesson to me. Having those early perceived wins uh, can be very valuable for building your confidence early on. You're like, ah, so like, I can do this. Interesting. You know, um, and you look back and I'm like, man, those videos are horrible, right? But I, at the time, I, I didn't think about them as horrible. I was like, oh, this is better than the, the one I did last week. So that, that, that's growth, right? So as, if, if anyone here is ever wondering, you know, because I, um, I want to say youth in the in our youth, but really some people like well into their adulthood, even their older age, they have a, a fear, an idea that, you know, when you're feeling pretty decent about yourself, and then you talk to someone and whether they're right or wrong or intentional or unintentional, they make you feel kind of like, ah, maybe I'm not that good, right? Yeah. That is not the, the, a true way to be. That, 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 you know, even if that person had a point, that is not the place that you want to be mentally. Because I think there is the fear and maybe the expectation and the confusion that we should live in that state where it's like, I just got humbled. Maybe this is where I should be. It's okay to stay humble. You don't need to be always down on yourself. That is not the place to thrive. I, I, I'm fairly confident on that because I can see, I, I can very much see how much I can create, how much I want to bring in my mindset, you know, when I'm in a better position, you know, not delusional, 
but to where I'm, I'm excited to want to create and provide. And as long as your intentions are aligned to want to do good, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous statement because they say something about how the road to hell is paved with, I think it was good intentions, right? But but anyway, it's like you know, like you know, within reason, you you want to help, you want to do, you want to do good. You don't need to be in that state of like, man, I suck a lot more than I realize. And I've been there. Many of us have been there. Of course. Okay. Those people, a lot of those people were wrong. Okay. Even they brought up okay points. You don't need to be in that. You don't need to be in that mental spot. So just like, um, I know it's not a light switch for some people, but at least know that that's not where life is supposed to be. You can thrive while feeling better about yourself. So, and and that um, I'll say is why I'm probably glad that I didn't start doing this earlier. Um, it's because I once again I really wasn't into social media. I don't know if I could have the same attitude and fortitude and things that I do now you know, at 16 or 17, right? I would have more social media experience, right? I, I you know, I, I could be doing a lot more, you know, I, I could have a bigger business, you know, I, I could theoretically be reaching more people, helping more people. But I don't know if I would have know the things I do now. So I'm, I'm kind of glad I got into it at, at a stage of life that I did. In some ways, there's always some regrets, you know, there's some family members, I, I wish I could, I, I could have helped a little bit more back then. Uh, I don't know. And also, at the time, just to round it out, I didn't realize the industry was there. So like there are entire industries around us that we aren't even aware of. Um, public speakers make an insane amount of money. People don't even realize that. Like $100,000 a speech sometimes. You know, $500,000 a speech for some people, I'm sure. It's insane, right? Uh, and <laughs> just for content creation, uh, not to, I don't want to make it all about money, but for content creation, I didn't even realize that it was a thing. Like my fiance at the time, now wife, um, was telling me um, she she watched a little bit more YouTube and social media than I did. And when I started going into it, I was like, huh, did you realize that that not just doing a business and using social media as your advertising, but being a, making content itself was kind of a job? Uh, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, huh, what do you think about that? She said, I think if most people could, they would. Oh, they had the opportunity, they would. Yeah, right. And especially now, it's very clear. But at the time, I was like, "Really?" You know. And she, she was like, "Yeah." She's like, "You know, I, I've heard about like David Dobrik." I'm like, "Who's David Dobrik?" Right. And, and like, I, I, I'm very in the very off chance that David Dobrik sees this. I no, no, no insult to him. I, I like, he's a funny guy. But I, I didn't, I didn't follow social media, right? I, really, I didn't know the YouTube stars that we think like the biggest YouTubers in the world. Mr. Beast. And this is more reasonable back in 2020. I didn't really know him, right? PewDiePie. I kind of knew him because he made the news, right? But a lot of other people. I didn't know some of the biggest people in social media. I didn't know. I was like, huh. So that's really when I started getting into it. And like the, there was definitely a progression from like, hmm, I want to dabble. Hmm, I like this. And then, hmm, wow, this is reaching some people. I feel a connection and a responsibility. And then just to like finish up the top of the point, the difference between the thousand pushups video and the next video, which there was a couple in between, but there was a, a video about posture, which was my second video, I think, to get over a million views. And that, so for social media people, the difference between they both got like two or three million views, whatever. Um, the first one, you know, it got the likes, engagement, comments. It inspired a couple thousand people out of two or three million to hit follow because they wanted to see more, right? Followers aren't everything, but like this is an interesting metric. So two or three thousand. The next one, which got a similar amount of views, got 150,000 people to want to follow, mm -hmm. right? Because they wanted to see more. So like one was a one-off joke. That was kind of funny, you know, whatever, you know, not, not even not even that original, right? And the second one 
was really me trying to show my personality, not trying to show my personality, but I was showing my personality with more. I was trying to teach where people, whether or not they actually wanted to see more, were like, hmm, I want to see more of this. And that, when you get that community feedback of like, hmm, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? I, I like it when you did this. I don't really love it when you do this. Blah, 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 blah. You know, I had this thing early on where there's like some people liked that I used my hands a lot. Because I, you know, I knew I wanted the video to be interesting, but I didn't have the time to make it really, really interesting. So I just used my fingers to point, you know, and that that, <laughs> that was associated with my brand a little bit at, at, at early on. Um, now, not as much. Um, that community feedback really got the ball rolling in a way to where it is still rolling. Because when you, that is, um, when you hit escape velocity for some people, I think not, not necessarily that there's, there's a better metaphor, but that that's really when you hit this cycle where it's like, now you're in it because now there's this feedback loop of like, you know, cause it's different getting like two or three comments, you know, like, Oh, this is cool. Versus like suddenly getting a, even a couple hundred. Cause then you can like a better sample size. Like, huh, they want this, they want this, they want this. I'll do this. Huh? They really like this part. So yeah, that's, um, kind of like the zero to 100 on my social media journey. And from that standpoint, I really, I can resonate with, with, uh, one of the points that you point out about, um, being like, you know, listening to your followers and, and whatnot. Cause one thing I've been doing since God, 20, oh, 2018, something like that. Um, I always post a quote on my story, just something, just speaking from the heart, just, you know, posting yeah. a quote. And, you know, at first I was like, ah, you know, it's kind of corny, but like, I was going to do it anyways. And I remember, um, and ev- like to this day, I'll get, you know, one or two people that will respond to it and be like, I needed this today, or I like this. Or, Thank you so much. Yeah. Or whatever. And, you know, as far as, cause you're, you're making the comparison of like, you know, to serve your audience. Like I, I'm not gonna just do something because you told me to do it, but I mean I try and serve you in the best I can. And and you know, do quotes really like work within a fitness uh, page? Maybe yes, maybe no. Depends on how you do it. Um, it, it it is kind of off brand in a way because you know I'm kind of mixing like you know motivation with fitness, but like in a way that's more you know one one's very like uh, heartfelt and one's like let's do pushups and let's do bench press, you know? Um, and, but at the end of the day, I know there are people who there's, you know, maybe X amount of people watch my story, but there's gonna be that one or two. They're like, Oh, I needed that today. And, um, you know, that's, those are the reasons like that. Those are the people that I do it for. Like the one or two people are like, Oh, I want, I needed that today. Thank you so much. Cause it builds that connection with them. Um, with your platform being as big as it is, cause you have millions and millions of followers and subscribers across all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, um, you know, YouTube, you just, the amount, like if you were to take all those people and group them in one category, it's millions. And it's, it's super cool to even, well, one, the fact that we were talking, but <laughs> you're talking to me, but, but in general, it's just, it's so cool to have that community. I'm sure though, as you were growing, there had to be a lot of times where um, there were some challenges. There were some, uh, you know, like I said, whether it's a hate message or a hate comment or what, because you can be one of the lessons I, I will stick, like some, one of my friends told me about this and I'm like, you know, that's so true. He was like, you can have the purest heart. You can be the kindest person. You can have the best intentions. You can mean well, and someone's still going to find a reason to talk bad about you. That's just unfortunately the way life is. And so he's like, when people, you know, when someone talks bad about you, given it's not true, like you can't, you can't uh, control the way someone pictures you in their head. You can only just be yourself and be your best version of yourself. In, in those challenges of you growing, uh, 
you know, how did you handle that? How did you handle the hate that I'm sure comes with social media in general? Um, what were your ways of kind of going about that? Okay, so this is interesting because I, I like podcasts in the sense that I often have thoughts while I'm driving, while I'm working, that I, I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, it's, it's like a realization for myself or a way of thinking of things. And then later on, like a couple of months, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, I'm like, it comes up in the podcast naturally. So like, here are some things I've been thinking about. So the first part is, is things we already know, things I have said before, which is I don't really have an issue dealing with hate comments, right? Um, not in the sense that I don't get them. By the way, if you're getting them, it's often because your video is being exposed to new people. So it's both good and bad, yep. right? It's like, cause like, yeah, because like, if I'm suddenly pushing other people who don't know me, you know, if it's only people who know me, like, oh yeah, Hampton, yeah, we know him. You know, it's like, yeah, he might have might have phrased that a little bit poorly, but you know, that that that's that's good. You know, when you push push out to like a new group of like fifty million people, um, and there's some people who don't know you, and they're not going to assume the best about you, right? Because they don't know you yet. So there are going to be some um, hate comments in that sense. I never had an issue with people telling me I'm ugly. People, I'm telling them, oh, you're stupid. You know, your voice sucks. It is interesting. So, like early on. I never really thought about my voice that much, but and well, I think a lot like a lot of people, my voice kind of annoys me when I listen to it too much. But there were some people who were like, "Oh, I really like your voice. It's really it's really calming. I got me like it calms my anxiety." And then there are some people who are like, "Man, I can't take you seriously with that voice. I'm just sorry." I'm like, "Okay, it's okay. Have a good day." Right? It, it doesn't <laughs> like it, it like that. That was the thing. It's like it's like I, I really hate your voice. I'm like, you know what? I kind of hate it too. So we have something in common, right? That's it. Um. Uh, it's just like some things that we don't need to disagree on. I don't disagree. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to die on that hill. I was like, I, I, I don't love it either. Um, so th there's that. And I think that never affecting me when we see the comments that affect us the most, because we are more resistant to some than others. If you're, if you're, even if you're sensitive or resistant to all of them, I think within the aspect of a ratio, uh, within like, within, um, ratio of each other there's gonna be some you're more sensitive to and i think that is an important mirror into our inner self where what parts of us are we confident in and bolstered and strong and trained just like a muscle and what parts uh have we not really explored and bolstered and have confidence in right you know like it just like the difference between you're used to walking so you're confident in walking but if you've never walked before it's going to be new to you. So for me, it wasn't so much the appearance and stuff. That, that stuff is it's, it's almost like society has geared us towards resisting that because it's like it's very much a subjective opinion. It's like you're stupid. So that's cool. Right. And it's like, yeah, I, I definitely do come across stupid sometimes. Oh, right? my God. Like, yeah. You're like you're, you're ugly. So it's like, you know, I, I can kind of see that. I don't have the most attractive voice, attractive face. That's fine. Right. So things like that. And I kind of mumble because that's how it is in my mind. I'm like, yeah. Whatever I don't, I don't really care. The things that affected me the most were any kind of suggestion or indication that something that I spent a lot of time on, which is usually a video or an article or something, was either going to hurt someone um, through um, maybe my intention. Like if I'm like, you do have more control over your life than you realize. And people are like, you mean it's my fault? It's like, it might be, right? It's, um, it's like, the, like the idea that I spent a lot of time time on this and it actually hurt someone, that always kind of got me, right? That was, cause like, you know, like I, I like to work until it's just like blood, sweat and tears, right? Not, not always, right. but like metaphorically, I'm like, man, you know, it's like late into the night and when you're exhausted, when you hit that emotional state of like, you spend a lot of time on this thing, getting getting it done. 
and you do it because you want that to be good. You, you, you do it because you want it to be good for people. I did not do that as a war monitoring general. I didn't do it to hurt other people. I did it because I wanted to help. And you do that. I don't think people completely realize, and I can't blame them, but like when it's like you're exhausted and you're passing the torch over the finish, like, oh my gosh. And someone's like, I, like sorry, I'm very disappointed in this. I don't think people quite realize because not, not every content creator is like that. You know, they don't have to assume the best about me. I understand that. Um, that was always kind of tough for me. I was like, huh. Because I, I try to be self-reflective. I'm like, hmm, maybe it was wrong. Maybe it was. And in hindsight, in many cases, I, I didn't have that intention. And after talking to the person, like they, they're a lot more reasonable. So one side is that. One side is your message unintentionally hurts someone. Which, by the way, any kind of message at scale could be could, could make that argument, right? You, you can make that argument, like like record a regular conversation in a coffee shop, get everyone in the world to see it. Some people will find it harmful. So there, uh, there's that, right? Um, which is what we're doing in, with social media. Um, and the second part was you were actually wrong about this. And that is going to hurt other people. So here's an interesting point. And this is the point that I started with where this is something that I've been thinking about because it's a big part of what we do. Um, anybody with me, uh, with a media reach is we try to spread a message and there's an idea in society that it's okay to be wrong, right? You, you've surely you've seen a meme or a post about this to where one of the big things that people can't do nowadays is they admit they were, they can't admit they were wrong. Right. And there's a discussion of ideas and that's how you learn. And that's interesting. So that that's considered good, right? That's considered good if you're an individual and you were, you were wrong because every, everyone's wrong at some point, but, it's interesting that you cross cross a, th a certain threshold when you are a content creator or anybody with reach to where it feels like you are no longer allowed to be wrong because if you are a person with reach and this is a completely arbitrarily like like someone with like 200 friends has reach um, if you do that it no longer is you being wrong it is you spreading misinformation mm. right and, and as someone who is conscientious, someone who wants to do good for the world, is someone who is self-reflective, that is not as easily dismissed as you are ugly. Because if you are ugly, it's very, it's very subjective. By the way, just because someone's saying it's misinformation doesn't mean it's misinformation, right? Like, once again, everyone is wrong. Everyone knows this. doesn't matter how credible you are. At, at some point, you're, you're going to have, you're going to be wrong about something. And if you are an authority or you have someone with reach, then you have, by that definition, you have spread misinformation right misinformation right and that i don't really want to comment on that because obviously misinformation and disinformation are now separated nowadays um and i do agree it's an issue i, I don't want to dismiss that i don't want to seem like it's it's a non-issue or trivializing it um but i just want to reflect a little bit on that I, uh, because as an individual it's okay to be wrong and it's celebrated to admit that you're wrong but as someone with reach even if you're an individual, it's considered misinformation. That is considered more of like a deadly sin that's almost like irreparable or like unforgivable, as it seems. You know, it, it obviously is not. Um, but yeah, that's something I, I thought about. That, that, that now, I, <laughs> to counter to counter that counterpoint, I don't really get into those spaces that much, right? Like very much so. I, I stick with things that are like I like to talk about things that I know about and things that I know quite well right so it's like if, if i if i can barely do this i always talk about the things i know right and i should be able to i should be able to defend it and there are some people who's like oh this is wrong and like 
I should be able to look at their argument, understand their counter arguments, know all of their counter arguments, and know that this is a disconnect in where they might have misunderstood. Not from an arrogant standpoint, but from I think any kind of teacher or any kind of scholar uh, or any kind of individual that pursues uh, teaching and self improvement and learning um, should be able to recognize that point. I think that is where you're like, hmm, I understand where he's coming from, but he's wrong. Again, here's and here's why where he might have misunderstood. But here's also where I can explain that better. That's why I'm all, I give very long descriptions in my shorts. Right, they're a very short video, and then there's like maxed out like description, like two that like two thousand word essay, right, or, or something for an Instagram post, right? So yeah, that's uh, kind of where where I, I started coming from, the things I was able to resist and the things where the things I've struggled with, where I never want my content to hurt someone or even for someone to claim that it hurt them. But it, in my opinion, is virtually or maybe completely impossible to completely avoid that. Uh, we can just do our best and we have to go through with good intentions. Yeah, and what's also really important to know is that just because someone has a massive platform or just because someone has uh, a social media channel or like that doesn't make them God, if they're wrong, right. you know, it, it, you're, you're allowed to be wrong about, right. or maybe not even so much wrong, but like maybe as a creator, sometimes we just didn't take into perspective that there's actually, you know, we looked at point A, B and C, but there's also a point T that we didn't even think about. And right. I think this whole, thing that you look at a content creator and um you know they, they have to be perfect they can't be wrong they have to be like 100 all the time well as long as they're willing to say oh you know what? i actually didn't even think it from that perspective that's actually a great perspective let me dial a little bit deeper into that and and i'll make a follow-up video on it um right and i think there's a miss uh misperception of creators in general that no they can't be wrong like, no we can be i've been wrong a million and one times and i'm sure right. you know and and that's how you know, we learn to go to your, your, your point about making content that you know about. And, and, and I'm like this too, but one thing I also do is I make content. I almost kind of, at least my intent is like, it's, it's inarguable in a sense of a lot of my content is, um, motivational, uh, posts and motivational content in general. And I'm like, you, you know, in my head, when I started creating that, I was like, well, who could possibly argue with someone being like, be your best self? Like, it's just you, who's going to argue with that? But people still do. And I remember there is a post I made. Actually, it was relatively recently. I think it was last last month. It was a voiceover of someone saying how a cup of water costs, you know, one dollar, you know, here, two dollars here, three dollars here, four dollars here and, you know, ten dollars at an airport. The water does, doesn't change, but the environment the water is in does change and if you feel like you're not being valued maybe you're just in the wrong environment it's not that you don't have that value it's just maybe you're in the wrong environment and i, and I remember posting that. i really liked that i was like you know what i like it too well yeah one of one of my my nonna, my, my grandmother for my non-italian listeners um she had said to me i forget how to say in italian but long story short if they're flowers they'll bloom so in other words if you're in the right environment it'll happen and uh, i still hold that with me but in the comments, there are still a couple people who are like, what are you saying? Like, are you saying this? Are you saying that? I'm like, whoa, what? Like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. You know? So right. at the end of the day, there's always going to be uh, the people that, like, and, and you're right. Like, I, I don't ever want to hurt someone with my content. Unfortunately, just 
is social media, it's almost impossible to avoid um, either. Not, I don't want to say hurting someone, but it's almost impossible to avoid someone disagreeing with even anything you're saying. Right. Um, one thing too, I'm a big hockey guy. And I remember uh, I was watching the Toronto Maple Leafs and Ottawa Senators growing up. That was the biggest like rivalry in hockey uh, for Ontario. Uh, and one thing, like when the hockey player, uh, like when the best player on the opposing team has the puck, the crowd boos them. And, and then the home team, obviously everyone cheers them. And I remember <laughs> the, the announcer saying, if you're being hated by, you know, just by being a good hockey player, you did something right. And, and I was like, that is 100% true. And I'm like, if you're right. being, if someone has the time to comment something, there's an emotional thing that you hit there, whether it's anger or sadness or whatever it is. And I'm not saying that your goal is ever to hurt somebody, but you, you cause an emotional reaction out of them, which means that your right. video will have that quality to even do that. And then how you react is obviously where now we have to have a conversation and like, oh, that's not my intention, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for you just being such a genuine human being, at least in my opinion, I think one of the reasons you, you're, you are where you are is because you're genuine, because people, people can see fake, people can see right through that. But for you, it's like, no, I, I see a friend in Hampton. I see he's trying to help me. I see Hampton is trying to give me not only an educational, uh, um, uh, video, but also like truly actually cares about me. That is obviously your personality I, I i already knew that just based on the fact that we you know we've connected a couple of times but even in this conversation i know that's your personality um how do you what other like i guess what i'm trying to ask is when you you're building a community um and you have i know you have your discords and you have all these different you know groups of you know uh, of people do you find yourself as a leader like as a, a a guide in some ways do you find yourself in that position of um, I guess as a, a leader in, in, in a way, do you find yourself in that position or do you like, how do you look at that as far as uh, with your channels and in your community? I think the answer is yes. Um, and the, any kind of hesitation I would have to say that is because how we perceive leaders as somehow better than others. Right. But I, in my opinion, the, the reason I would say yes, pretty comfortably is because I think my view on leadership and this kind of ties into some self-development stuff because a lot of like <laughs> a lot of um, they're usually younger guys in our, in our, uh, in our community who <laughs> are obsessed with being alpha or Sigma now. Mm. Right. Like whatever. Right. So, and like they associate that with leadership. So this is something I've ruminated on a fair amount, something I've thought about a fair amount too. And I think there's a misunderstanding in my opinion of what leadership should be. You know, there's different definitions. But for me, the leader is the one who serves the others the most. They are in the position of leadership because they they take on the responsibilities that others do not, right? Now, there might be people vie, who vie for that because they want to vie for leadership in different reasons. Um, and you can, you can guide and direct, and there's different aspects to that. But in my opinion, the king, the leader, you know, the, the group leader, um, the squadron commander <laughs> is someone who theoretically should be the person who cares and does more and goes above and beyond what everyone else does. And that is why I think if, if that person were to get like a shiny castle or, or, or they were to get like a bigger house or, you know, the chief's tent is slightly bigger than the other tents, right? 
is because they do more. And like ideally, that shouldn't necessarily be a status symbol so much as it comes as a function of having to serve everyone else, right? Just like, I, I need a bigger one because we need to hold bigger meetings a, as a result. That's how I view leadership where, um, you know, once again, it's just like being a servant, right? The leader is the person who serves the, the most people. In my opinion, that is not necessarily the entirety, but a large dimension of what leadership should be, in my opinion, or holistic. Because we think, and by the way, I know there's different structures, different like um, hierarchies throughout the world and throughout human history. But in my opinion, that's how we naturally, that's how we should view it. And, and we intuitively know this because bad kings are overthrown and beheaded, right? You know, but a good king, theoretically, you know, should be the one who takes care of the people. You can argue, do they need fancy robes, whatever, you know, maybe, you know, they need to meet with other countries. And it's kind of how culture is. I don't know. I don't want to get too much into that. But theoretically, the king should be working for the betterment of the people. Now, there's like, if like, <laughs> depending on how far we want to dive in, it's like, you know, do we want to elect those leaders? Do we want to, uh, you know, like some of them in the past were like, well, it's passed down by our bloodlines of dynasty, right? So that, that's a different thing. But um, for like zooming out from that a little bit, zooming into something else, leadership should be about uh, serving other people. And as someone who gathers a community around people that I am trying to serve, uh, I would be a leader in that sense. I'd be, um, I think, a lot of people who spend a lot of time in some industry and genuinely want to learn and teach and, and, and grow for themselves eventually become a thought leader. Not to say that I am, but, you know, it, like to use the example of academics, which may not be a perfect example, one of the things that will, you will have to eventually pursue, eventually try to do if you're going far into, into academics is to have a thesis or multiple theses, right? And um, Theses. But I, I think the idea is to, that not only have you learned from the body of knowledge, but now you are contributing to the body of knowledge, right? So like um, the, you know, you look at the, a lot of the famous fitness people right now, um, you know, I, some, I know some of them are controversial, but like some people who are good and they think, hmm, they actually have a thesis. They've spent enough time in here to where they have, I'm going to get in some trouble for this, but like the equivalent of like a PhD because they have a thesis, right? Because they, they've spent 15 years of their life dedicated to learning and, and, and promoting and growing in, in this thing to where it's like, hmm, you know, exercise should be done through a greater range of motion than most people realize. That's an example of a thesis. Or like, you know, um, someone else I interviewed, um, you know, body weight, bodybuilding is undervalued. And here's why. It doesn't have to be like a mind-blowing thesis, right? You know, so it's, you know, another thesis, I mean, it's not something like, you know, coffee can regrow hair, you know, that, that, that'd, be, that'd be big. That'd be really right? nice. Right. I think if anything, it might lose hair a little bit. I just like, I just intuitively feel that way. I'm not sure why, but it says the guy with the longest hair in, in the chat room right now. Right. And, and <laughs> drinking coffee right yeah. now. So, <laughs> right. So, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure about that, but I, I think like, these are some ways that I would want to think about leadership and just to, um, kind of tie it together. I think, if you get a group of people and you put them in a room and it's like, you're supposed to do this. What I've noticed is most people don't know, don't really have a plan, right? It's like you get your friends, you get a group of friends to show up. It's like, what do you want to do? Most of them don't have a plan. And it, it, you should not be doing out of a sense of control in my opinion. But if you are the person who goes that extra little effort, a little extra little miles, like, uh, I think we should do this. And here's why 
most people will go along with you, right? You know, on the, in the average group, there might be a group of like very type A people who are like, no, no, like we should do this at 1215 and at 12.17, we should do this, right? Like that, you know, the, the, some of it is, um, is subjective, but usually people don't have a plan. So if you have a plan and you have an idea and you have a thesis, then people naturally want to follow you for better or for worse. So if you show up and you have an idea and you have gone the extra effort, you've done more for people, um, sometimes people will trust you. Then you have to keep earning that trust. That's my opinion. Oh, no, I 100% agree with it. And I think, you know, with <laughs> with the with the way, again, like the way you come about, just the, the one thing, I remember actually I, I showed a video, I, you know, I can't remember which one it was of yours, but I showed it to my sister. And my sister, you know, she she, she works out, but she's not, you know, I'm the fitness guy in the family. I, I'm the guy who's, right, right. I'm, I'm working out twice a day, whatever. Um, but she's, she loves your, your, your content because she's like, I just feel like he's such a nice guy. I just want to give him a hug. Like he's just <laughs> such a nice guy. Right. And, uh, and, uh, again, just the, the fact that you have that outlook on leadership too, where you're like, you know, it, it's not so I'm here and everyone else is here. It's I'm doing more to serve everybody and, and build that community. Now that you have that community and now that you have, and, and for lack of a better word, fans, like you have fans, it's not just followers, not just like you have fans. Like if you walk the streets of wherever city, people are going to recognize you as, as hybrid calisthenics. Um, do you have any ideas or thoughts to transcend in, or transcend, excuse me, into other you know industries, whether it's, um, you know, I, I know you have a podcast. I know you have um, that kind of stuff. But like, what about supplements? What about you know an acting career? I actually had a conversation with um, uh, Training Tall Austin uh, Hendrickson, and uh, you know he he transcended into acting for a little bit. Like, do you have any? Because you're going to have people that are going to follow you and support you. Do you have any thoughts? Because I feel like you're almost at a position where you know if you if you want to, you can, and you'll have people to support you there. So that's an interesting thing. So like uh, that actually, you know, new things happening every day. I, I actually haven't been asked if I'm going to like, like go the idol route, right? Like they like in, in kind of like uh, some Asian culture where it's like, oh, you're an idol. Then you go into like acting and then some, you know, obviously music and what are some other things, but you, you like designer stuff. Hmm. The, the answer is yes, but I like, I never thought about it in the framework of acting. I have no plans to do any acting, but I mean, I'm not against it. <laughs> I, I am hesitant about some industries, you know, acting. Right. I, I think I, I think nowadays I can say this. I feel like 10 years ago, maybe it would have been more controversial. It's very obvious that maybe not on small scales, but definitely on larger scales, there is corruption and a lot of very nasty things going 100%. on. 100%. Uh, you know, that's why I'm hesitant to get into that industry. And once again, I, I like freedom. I am someone who strives for personal freedom and I want to help others find their own freedom. In many ways, so there's financial freedom, physical freedom, right? You know, the strongest change are the ones that we have, you know, in our own body. You know, if you have, if you lack mobility and you don't know how to train it, you know, someone teaching you how to do it and giving you the motivation and the discipline to do it is literally the key to those handcuffs, right? So I, I like that. You know, I want to help other people find freedom, but for my own freedom, <laughs> as content creators, we have more creative control over our own thing. Right. And like you go into acting. Cool. You know, like a couple million people will see you. You know, that, that, that's like a that's a moist critical video. But it's, it's, it's like, I we think love him. That's so funny. Right. That just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I grew up right. watching him. He's amazing. I love yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he great? I, I like I still envy his ability to like 
I pre presumably turn on the camera, maybe do one or two takes and just be funny. And it's like, that's his video and no, no thumbnail really. It's just like, it's either him or like a stretched out screenshot. Right? That's right. It's just, he's like so, a minimalist creator, but he, he's right. just like, you can't not watch his stuff. Right. That's well. So I, I started watching him, I think earlier this year and someone in our discord was like, Hey, do you know this guy called moist critical? Why is he popular? I was like, I can I can give you that exact answer that I wouldn't be able to give in five months five months ago, and that was because I was like just watch a couple of videos and you'll and you'll get it, you know. It's like, or or if you don't get it, then it's not for you. That's fine. But you watch a couple of videos, you're like, huh, this is really interesting. Have you seen a lot of his older <laughs> stuff like, too? No, I, I haven't. I, I I'm a I'm a normie. Um, I I'm I'm a newer fan. You gotta uh, binge his I, I older never, stuff. You have to. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'll ever catch up with his videos. He makes like one a day, just like two a day. Sometimes it's crazy, <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> the the <laughs> so yeah shout out to him but i and i do kind of want to make my podcast similar to that i really like i i would like to be able like close to peak performance hampton at least for like midterm is to be able to turn on the camera do that talk about live talk about things i would love to be able to do that um it's a skill but we think of traditional media uh back to what i was saying is uh as much having much more reach than it might actually have right so like i don't this was said in a podcast, but this uh, famous YouTube creator, I believe Mark Rober, was given the opportunity to go into mainstream media. Um, and, it, you know, the, how he was approached with it is, and he said this in the podcast, but I, I kind of feel like maybe I shouldn't give all, all the names. But it's like, yeah, he, he said it. He was given the opportunity to go into mainstream media. And the way th th he was approached was kind of just like, ah, you know, of course he's going to say yes. Or he's a YouTuber. And Mark's like, hmm, do I want to make less money, have less creative control, you know, spend more time? It's like, where do I sign? So he's like, he, he actually ultimately didn't do that. He was honored by it. He was like, you know, this is good, you know, and especially even nowadays, if you're on, you know, MSNBC, CNN, or, you know, um, New York Times, your, 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 your mom calls you, your grandma calls you. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, so like there still is that effect to it, but I think we've misunderstood the reach be behind like some large social media channels compared to even some of the mainstream networks where they might be getting a couple hundred thousand people and, and like there's a a streamer or a YouTuber who casually gets more. Right. So uh, there is um there is that thought. But I think that ultimately it's going to go, it's going to tie back into how do we bring value to other people, right? So you bring, you brought up a very good point and that and it's fitting. That was the longest pause I did during the podcast. Cause like, this is something I do think uh, a long time about because there, <laughs> I'll start from this. There was, a time period, I think, where a content creator, right now, it's, it's very clear that a content creator can release almost anything if they have enough reach and sell a little bit. It could be anything from like from a T-shirt to urine samples, right? It's like it's like it, right, it's like anything, and someone will will buy it, you know. Um, so that has definitely changed. The perception of that has changed. I, in my opinion, I, I don't know this, and I, I don't, I haven't dug into the history about this. I don't know how one would do that. But I suspect the first time a content creator or a YouTube channel or someone released 
merch or or like a t-shirt or it must have been something like that it that must have been a huge deal it was like whoa right it was like the because i think the idea of like people having t-shirts now is still relatively new back in the day if you had a t-shirt it's like only nike had t-shirts you know only like you know adidas does or uh tommy hilfiger you know it's um the idea that this person i watch who isn't a celebrity they're a youtube channel they have a t-shirt like oh, it's like the most hype thing ever nowadays people know that content creators in quotes influencers or as i call it the i word uh influencers now will um, be able to sell things they are a lot more skeptical and perhaps reasonably so because a lot of influencers unfortunately have very much sold out in, in like the sense of it to where it's just like i don't care about this providing value i just i only want this to make money which is okay i guess if it's like merch but if you knowingly harm your audience or take advantage of them uh, with your reach, then you are betraying that trust. You're betraying um, their trust in you as a leader, as someone they view. Uh, no bueno, not good. You don't want to do that. So you, you see, I kind of like rambled a little bit, but you see the progression from very excited that this person's releasing anything. This is like, this is the best thing ever. This was an awesome idea to now like fast forward 10, 15 years later to where it's like, it's almost like more skeptical if a content creator releases anything, right? Very true. So, so with that in mind, I think we can still release anything, but it has to be good. And that includes other things we pursue if we're going to promote that to our audience within reason. Like if, if I'm going to do a cover song, I want it to be good, but it, it's, I don't think I'm betraying trust if it's like, I'd be embarrassed if it was off key, but I don't think I'm betraying trust that it's off key. So it's it's different, right? It's, um, but if I'm doing a product, especially anything that people will invest their time or money into, I really want it to be good. That is the guideline for what I do. So like I, I'll be making a book, I'll be making an app, I'll be doing different things. So that that's kind of where I'm branching into some business aspects. It's a big passion of mine. You know, probably fitness and this other thing would be like. Ethical business, for lack of a better term. I, I'm trying to find a new term because ethical nowadays, it brings up like imagery of like sustainability, which is which is good. But for me, what I mean is like a business where you serve other people, right? That is the foundation behind what uh, I do, what you do. A lot of anybody trying to do their own business at whatever scale, that is the foundation of it is different ways to serve other people at scale, in my opinion. So that that's a... That's the passion of mine that I would pursue over music, uh, not over music, but it's like um, more so than music, more so than acting, more so than um, my stick figure art, anything like that. I love that. And again, like for you to have the mindset of, well, I'm not going to do something just for the money. I'm not going to do something if it doesn't serve my community. I'm not going to do something if it's not genuine. I'm not going to do something if it threatens my integrity and dignity. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that do sell out. And that, that sounds that sounds kind of mean, like a you know, sellout's a harsh word. But there's people right. who you know they get an opportunity, but even if it doesn't align to who they are, it doesn't align to their 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 heart and where their values are um, or where their community is, they'll do it. And Unfortunately, that's just the way, you know, the world turns sometimes. But um, I do want to say, just to wrap up, uh, 
your the again your content and and your outlook on social media as a whole is super super rare and very contagious in the sense of just like there you you separate yourself from a, a pack in the crowd where a lot of people are just trying to make sales and they don't care what their content is they'll they'll lie they don't care they're like just give me your money where you're like no actually like I should kind of Oh, I like my followers. I like my community. I, I want to help them. I want to serve them. And um, right. I just want to say, I really appreciate you as a human, but I also appreciate you again, taking the time to, 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 to talk to me here and, 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 you know, and give such amazing insight on so many different topics. Of course. Thank you once again for having me. I just like, I, I always feel bad when people are like, Oh, you took time out of your day. I'm like, you're taking an equal amount of time out of your day. Thank you for chatting with me. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> well, listen, uh, thank you so much. And if you're listening to this right now and you watch this whole thing or you listen to the whole, uh, podcast, thank you as well. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.